If you're new to EP in the last uh, probably two years, you might be like, who is, uh, who is that guy? Which is a great question. Uh, I was on staff as one of your pastors for 11 years before the Lord, uh, through you, uh, sent us away. And that sounds kind of like, ooh, that sounds bad. No, it was a great thing. Um, my family and I were sent by this congregation to serve in Scotland, where we have lived now for a little over a year and a half. And um, as we begin, uh, before I go into it, if you got a Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 62. We're going to look at Isaiah 62 this morning. Um, and as you're turning there, there'll be, the words will be on the screen. They, uh, it's on page, I think, 789. Uh, in the Bibles that are there in front of you. So as you're turning there, um, just uh, a word of thanks from our family to, to all of you as a church for sending us, for caring for us, for loving us uh, through this uh, great journey that uh, we call missions. Uh, we are uh, doing very well uh, in Scotland. My, uh, my kids, my wife, send you greetings. They wish they could be here. Uh, I've been, uh, as I'll say here in a few minutes, I've been in town a little over, not in town, I've been in the country a little over a week uh, speaking in Alabama and at a missions conference there. Uh, and on, uh, Bruce asked me uh, back in October, September of last year, hey, if you're, if you're coming to that conference, uh, why don't you stop in and preach? And so we were able to work it out. And so uh, we're grateful. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, I'm grateful to you as a congregation for sending us, for uh, supporting us through your prayers, for supporting us uh, through just emails and letters and Christmas cards and uh, through your financial giving through the church and through individuals. Uh, we, uh, we are very blessed to have you. And so God is doing great things uh, through you in Scotland. And so thanks from our family to you. Thank you from the church that we serve. Uh, the, the pastor that we served with said, please, please tell the church when you go back uh, how thankful and grateful we are uh, to, to have you. And um, so thanks from them and from our denomination that we serve with, the Free Church of Scotland, uh, a huge uh, thank you to, to all of you. Um, this morning, I want us to look at God's word. Um, I know many of you might have questions about our life and our ministry and what we're doing and all those things. And uh, I'll be around for a few minutes after the service this morning. I'd love to talk to as many of you as I can. Uh, I won't be able to talk to everybody, but I would love to try to answer any questions that you might have. Or um, the number one thing is, um, how are your girls doing? Um, I was like, well, I'm right here, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, they're doing, they're doing really well. Um, we are, um, we're in school. I've got a 15 year old and a 12 year old. So they would be sitting over here. Like, this is new to me. Like, this is really cool. Uh, hi guys. Um, this is what they see for most of the thing. So, um, uh, they're, they're doing really well in, in the Scottish schools and in our church and community. Um, and so with that, um, let's look at God's word. Let's look at God's word together uh, from Isaiah chapter 62. Here as I read God's word for us. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. 
You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And the bridegroom, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through. Go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out a city that is not forsaken. God's word to us this morning. As I mentioned a few uh, minutes ago, I've been in the country a little over a week and I got to experience uh, one of my least favorite experiences and it's called jet lag. Uh, we, um, I arrived Friday night, uh, a week ago, Friday night, and uh, I was just exhausted but couldn't sleep. And so what happens when you have jet lag, you're exhausted, you can't sleep, and so your mind just gets really, really foggy. And so I found myself, uh, as I flew to, to Atlanta and drove over to Alabama, and I found myself when I got in the car the next day, uh, because you all drive on the wrong side of the car and on the wrong side of the road, and so I'm sitting in this car and my brain, I, did, I hadn't slept, I'm exhausted, I'm like where am I going? Like, where? wait, this is not the right side of the car. That's what, you know, I tried to get in the passenger side, and there's no steering wheel, and it was really weird. And so I'm like, what is happening? And so I get to the church that I'm going to, uh, to, to, to be at for this past week, and there's over 30 missionaries from all over the world that had gathered. Um, some, uh, one is a, a dear friend uh, from, of our church that has been sent out to uh, Southeast Asia was there. And so I found that I was actually probably the closest of people that had come into town. So there was New Zealand, Australia, uh, all across Southeast Asia, all across Europe. And we're all dealing with the same thing. We're all kind of looking at each other like, hey, did you sleep? No, I haven't slept in like 40. What is, I don't even know what today is kind of thing. And there's just this fog that kind of overtakes you. Well, the people at the church that we were working at uh, knew like there is this thing called jet lag. And so they did a great thing for us. They gave us this notebook. And in that notebook, it listed out our schedules for the week in enormous detail, like almost minute by minute of where we were supposed to be, when we were supposed to be there, who we were supposed to meet, and most importantly, here's the things you're supposed to say. (laughs) Because 
they had us speak. I don't know. I was one of the, the ones that had the least speaking events. I had 25 events to speak at over this week. And so as you go from one to the next to the next, you're just going, okay, where am I? And at some point I kind of went, who am I? <laughs> because I'm just, as we would say in Scotland, I was knackered. <laughs> I was exhausted. And I'm going, who am I? What am I doing here? What am I supposed to say? Who am I saying this to? And what's the goal of this? And every page you turned in the notebook was all about, here's who you are. Here's what you're doing. Here's where you need to be. Because we know the fog that you are in. I think there's a thing, maybe you've been in it. I've gone through it recently. Maybe you've experienced it in the past. I think we can suffer spiritual jet lag. I think we can suffer a spiritual jet lag when maybe it's something uh, traumatic happens. Maybe something big happens. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something small. But you just begin to wonder in your own life or in the life of your family, what's going on? Who am I? Where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? And it's not new to us. It's been going on for generations because I think the people that Isaiah is writing to suffered from this idea of kind of some spiritual jet lag of who are we? What are we doing? What are we supposed to be doing? Where are we going as people, as the nation of God, as the church, as the church of God around the world that we join this morning together with a, a global community of people who believe in Jesus that are worshiping him in thousands of different languages, in thousands of different places. And yet we are all worshiping the same God. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, reminds his people, the nation of Israel, who had run away from God and who God is, through the prophets, are saying, come back to me. And he says, I want to remind you because you're suffering from spiritual jet lag. You're exhausted. You, you might have forgotten who you are, what you're doing, where you're going. Let me remind you of that. And so in a few minutes this morning, I want us to think about those questions and to think about us as we, as we go through life. Who are we? Look with me back at the passage we don't have nearly enough time. We could spend months going through just this one chapter and the, the one surrounding it. But look at verse 3. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be married. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, look, I've given you a new name. And in, in our world, in our day and age, kind of a new name maybe doesn't mean that much. But in their day and age, a name kind of characterized who you were as a person. If you think about a lot of the names that you find in the Old Testament, particularly in the prophets, God had some of the prophets name their kids not loved, not my people, abandoned, forsaken. There's others, their name was deceiver, 
Because that was who their character was. That was their nature. And God named them that. And so what Isaiah says here uh, is a transformation of who we are. Because God says, I have, I have renamed you. I have made you different. I have redeemed you. And he has redeemed us. He has made us right by Jesus. The people in Isaiah's day, they were saved by looking forward to Jesus coming. Just as we are saved by looking backwards to Jesus coming. We have the same Savior. And so through Jesus, Isaiah is saying, look, I have, I have changed your name. No longer shall you be called forsaken. No longer shall you be called desolate, barren, a wasteland where there is, there is nothing where those that were around you have, have turned your back on you and in fact where we had turned our back on God and wandered away from Him. And sometimes we wander away from Him really quickly. God has said, I've given you a new name and you will no longer be called forsaken, but you'll be called this. My delight is in her and your land married. God delights in you. God delights in you and me. If we follow Jesus, God doesn't just tolerate you. God doesn't say, well, if I've I've got to live with you, whatever. He says, no. God smiles when he sees you. God rejoices over you. And he rejoices over me, not because of anything that we have done, but all because of Jesus all because of what Christ has done. And so he says, as as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, when he sees her walking down the aisle, so shall God rejoice over you. And I will tell you, I forget that. I have forgotten that. The work that we're involved in is hard. The country that we live in is wonderful. I love it. I don't want to say anything negative about it. Because we enjoy it, but it's hard. It's dark spiritually and in the winter, like physically. It's just, it's gank. I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made it up. You get it, I hope. Onomatopoeia, is that the thing? It's like, it's gank. It's just dark and cold and windy and wet. And you just, you go outside and there's guys playing golf and you're like, what are you doing? Because all I want to do is go to bed and... And spiritually, it's even darker. One percent of the city that we live in is a believer in Jesus. Ninety-nine percent of a of a city of a hundred thousand know about Jesus. And so, in the darkness and the difficulty, and I'm not complaining because I love it. It's the best thing we've ever done. We get to see glimpses of. God's light and his gospel. And God says, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. But a few months ago, he began to scream at me through this passage and says, I delight in you. You are not forsaken. And I don't know if that might resonate with anybody here, but that's true of you. If you are in Jesus because that's the only way. It's not through what you've done. It's not through what you haven't done. It's, there's no other way to be right with God other than Jesus. 
And he says, not only do I delight in you, but you're a crown of beauty. We have the crown jewels of Scotland at the Edinburgh Castle. And there's a queue out the door every day. Queue, sorry. There's a line out the door uh, every day for people just to go see the crown jewels that the queen used to wear when she could wear. It's like 35 pounds. It sits on her head. Nothing but jewels. And they've had the people that study gym things, rocks and stuff, that um, have come and looked at it. And they're like, you know, the value of these, they're so old, they're so precious, it's probably in the, tr- the trillions of dollars. It's priceless. And God says, that's who you are in my hand. And it's not because of you, it's because of Jesus. So let me share, you a, share, you, share with you a story about sheep real quick. Because we have a lot of sheep in Scotland. And we're getting ready to have one of the coolest things that we have with sheep. And that's lambing season. Lambing, all the lambs are born like within a week. And you see them all out in the hills and it's just cute. Like, I don't use the word cute and some of you guys are like judging me right now. Like, he said cute. Like, okay, get over it. I don't care. Um, I love you, but they're cute. And you would be there and you would see them like, oh, they're so cute. So one of the cool things about sheep and lambs uh, is that multiple births are very common. So twins, triplets, very common. But what often happens when, particularly when a triplet is born, that one of the sheep will be, one of the lambs will be rejected by its mother. And so when it's born, uh, she will hit it with her head, just nudge it out of the way. Uh, she won't lick it, which they have to do. Uh, don't ask me why, but they, they, they lick the newborns. And she rejects it. And if there's not a farmer there or shepherd there to see it, uh, often that lamb is trampled and killed by the mother. Also fairly common is that lambs are born that are already dead. And so you'll see out sort of in the hills and on the, in the fields, uh, you, you see just lambs just lying there dead that are born and they've, they've already passed away. And so what the farmers do is that they take the lamb that has died and they skin it. And then they take the wool, the coat of that lamb, and they place it over the, the lamb that has been rejected by its mother. And then they take and they get in a small pen, probably half the size of this stage, so that this lamb and now this mother that's lost her lamb come together. And so what the mother does is she begins to smell it. And she goes, oh, it smells like my lamb. And then she begins to lick it. She goes, this tastes like my lamb. And then she allows that lamb to come and feed. And I thought, what an amazing picture of the gospel of Jesus that Jesus covers us. He covers us with himself and that we're allowed only through Jesus to come to God the Father and to be right and to have a relationship with him. And it might sound weird, but we smell like Jesus because we're covered in him. And so we taste like Jesus because we're covered in him. And that's what Isaiah is screaming at us. God is screaming at us. If you are in Christ, this is true of you. This is who you are. And now because of who you are, God says, I want you to do a couple of things. And the first one 
to me, I just go, where did he come up with that? Like, that seems to be the last thing. But here's the first thing he says. Go to verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You shall, uh, you who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. What does he say to do? Pray. Pray. I have established my watchmen who will cry out all the time. You who put the Lord in remembrance, give him no rest. He is saying, pray all the time. Go to God every moment of every day and pray and remind God of what God has said. He said, put him in remembrance. And so we go to God and say, God, do you remember when you said in your word, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you? Go into all the world and make disciples, and lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, God, I I don't know if you're with me right now. And so I'm praying that I would see you, that I would know you, that I would would feel your presence. And God has, has said, come all the time and pray. And so what are we called to do? What do we have the privilege to do as his people is to pray to him. And you have opportunities to do that in your day, as you go to work, as you get up, as you go to school, as you go and do all the other things that you do in a regular day. You have the opportunity to pray. When you come together as God's people here at EP, you can pray. Tonight, there is a pray first. Brian and Lee did not put me up to this. Uh, Brian's like, nope, I didn't. They didn't put me up to this. It's in the cove, and I'm not trying to guilt you in any way, but it shouldn't be in the cove. It should be in here, because this is the biggest room in the building. To come out for an hour and just pray. Pray for your church. Pray for yourself. Pray for us. I've, I've learned how to pray. I think God had to get me... Uh, to another country and another culture to get through a lot of this. And I thought when I was here, like, yeah, no, I pray. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. It's been so hard, but it's been so good. And those things seem to be like mutually exclusive. Like how can they go together? But that's, that's what God does sometimes. He takes us to places that are difficult so that he can remind us of who we are, and so that we can seek his face continually. We have a privilege. You know what they do with that lamb with wearing the coat? They take it out of the pen after a couple of days. They take it out of the field. And part of being in that pen is so that the lamb can do the bah thing. Bah. Never thought I'd do that in a sermon. (laughs) So they take that coat off, they take it out in a field, And it begins to cry out. And it hears its birth mother. And so it goes to that birth mother. Well, if they go to that birth mother, the mother will kill it. Because she still rejected it. It now smells that way originally. And so what they've done is they've trained the surrogate mother to hear the cry of that lamb. God hears our cries. 
God hears our cries as we cry out to him. He hears us. And very briefly, because our time is getting short, if you go over to verse 10, he says, As you pray, as you seek my face continually, as I hear you and you hear my voice, as we grow together, he says, go. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples, proclaim your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him. What does he say? As you remember who you are in the fog of life, in the fog of whatever you might be going through, if you're going through any kind of uh, spiritual jet lag, remember who you are, seek my face in prayer, and then go. Go out through the doors and proclaim that the salvation of Jesus has come and make, make paths that are clear. Get rid of those things that might be stumbling blocks so that people would know the gospel of Jesus. In Scotland, just as, as, as much here, and, and Bruce used to, to say this quite a bit, and I know Dan said this quite a bit, um, the church, we ought to be known what we are for just as much or more so than what we are against. God is against sin. He's against these things. And we should be against them too. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But we should be also known and more well known for what we are for. That we are for eternal life with God. That we are forgiveness and hope and grace and mercy. And we ought to, as, as Isaiah says, put that on a sign. Show the way that says this is the way to Jesus. And clear it off the things that uh, that hinder us, that people that if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus yet, we're glad that you're here. And we don't want you to feel like you have to behave a certain way before you can come and belong to, to this church and to these people and this community. So he says, clear the roads, make this sign. It took me a year to figure out how to read road signs in Scotland. Part of it is because there's roundabouts everywhere and they're brilliant, so much better than stoplights. But you've got to figure out because you actually don't stop. So you've got to figure out quickly, like, where, which exit am I supposed to get off at and take whichever road? The nice thing is when you've taken that wrong road, there's another roundabout and you just go around the circle. But then I traveled north, and all of a sudden, all the road signs were in Gaelic, which is just a foreign language to me. I think a lot of times to people that aren't in the church, what we say, the words that we use can be just like reading a Gaelic road sign. They don't understand. So he says, remember who you are. Pray. Seek my face continually. And go out. Go out and point people to Jesus. And we have the great privilege because you have sent us of doing just that. And so do you. It's not just us. I'm, I'm not, I I've been called a missionary more this week than I thought I ever would. And I don't consider myself a missionary. I'm just a guy that loves Jesus, that works in a church in another country. Every one of us is a missionary. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. 
It's not me. It's you and me. And so we get to celebrate that. We get to rejoice in that. That this is what God is doing. And so if you find yourself in that spiritual jet lag, that spiritual fog, hear these last words, and then we're going to come to the Lord's table in verse 12. And they shall be called the holy temple, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Through you, sort of through us, but through you, people are hearing the gospel of Jesus that have never heard it before. And we rejoice in that. And people slowly are beginning to to see and to understand about the, the glories of Jesus and being covered in him and finding hope and forgiveness in a really dark place. And on their name, it says they're redeemed. And on their heart is your name because you've sent us to go and to do this work. And so God is doing a work in you, in me, and around the world. And we get to celebrate that of who he is. And we get to celebrate that this morning, his work as we come to the Lord's table. So let me pray for us for just a second as our elders come forward and as we uh, prepare to come to this, the Lord's table. Father, thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us, that you have redeemed us that you have given us a new name and you have clothed us with the righteousness of Christ. Lord, I pray for my family here. Lord, I, uh, I love this church and I am so grateful for them. I pray, Lord, that wherever you have them as families and individuals at this moment in time, that you would remind them of this great truth, that their hearts might be encouraged as they come forward to this table and partake of these elements. For your sake and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.